live inside Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football. It's Cofield and Company. Broncos show blitz. The handoff is to Jacobs. First through the 10. Cuts up field five. Drives forward. He's in. Touchdown, Josh Jacobs. Touchdown, Raiders. Cars under center. Hands it off to Jacobs. First through the middle. Cuts back at the five. Carries a defender. Touchdown, Raiders. Jacobs, and he might have just sealed Las Vegas' first win of the year. As the clock strikes zero, and it's a Vegas victory. Josh McDaniels, for the first time as head coach of the Silver and Black, gets a win. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Monday Night Football on the way. It's Cofield and company as we're uh, live at Twin Peaks, getting ready to watch the game. Come on down. Big beers under 4 bucks. Select appetizers, 2 4 and $6. Mateo's steering the ship down here, back in our Finley Toyota Studios in Vegas. It's Ari. This is our ESPN Las Vegas ESPN Reno Hour. Willie is the company today. Big four at four time. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents... The Big Four at four. Number four. So we closed out last hour talking about the Ravens disaster. And, of course, it's another case where Jim Harbaugh made a call. I'm not going to say risky because if it's by the numbers, it's actually the right move. But processing this is really difficult for a lot of people. So you're talking to, uh, no, check that, four. I have time right, four minutes left. Mm-hmm. Chance to kick a short field goal or go for the touchdown. Harbaugh does what Harbaugh does. He did it last year and it, you know blew up in his face a couple times. They don't get the touchdown. People are flipping out, and I just happened to be watching yesterday the uh, CBS crew, Cower, Sims, and Boomer. It's a nightmare. If you're going to talk about coaching decisions, and I know Kyra was an all-time great coach, but you know a lot of the analytic stuff and the numbers, most of it just was not part of the equation when he coached, and they were all down on the decision. How about you? No, I'm I'm fine with the decision. I'm fine with the decision, considering with all things considered, and that is that, as you said, it's Harbaugh being Harbaugh. Number one. Number two, you're showing confidence in whom I just said the best athlete in the NFL it's week four you you know what you're up against in terms of if 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 it doesn't work okay you're going to fall to two you're likely going to fall to two and two you have a whole season if this is week 14 and seeding is up and, and you know there's a lot of things at stake right now there's a lot of football to be played with the Bengals the Giants the Browns the Buccaneers and the Saints on deck five games in which they can go five and oh no doubt in my mind so you, 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 you have to make that choice, and you have to go. I believe you have to go for it. I want to ask you a real quick question, Steve, because you, you posed it to me before the break. Uh, as far as the team to beat in the AFC, who's yours? Because I got something for you. Chiefs. Well, and then, and then you sweated me when I said that, right? Well, because you were down on the Chiefs before the year. You bet the Raiders to uh, be inside 
Two and a half wins of the Chiefs. Okay, you didn't think the Chiefs were going to be like they are, right? You 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 bet me that, that the Chiefs would be better than the Raiders two by two and a half games, but you didn't think that they were running away with it. I thought they could win thirteen games. Okay, I didn't think the are the Dolphins I didn't the think best the Raiders, team in the AFC right now? Not not even close. Not even close. No. No. Okay, because they beat Baltimore, which lost to Buffalo, which lost to the Dolphins. So I'm just saying. I just wanted to throw that you're just, out there. You're just saying. Yeah, I just wanted to throw that out and let you know that. But I think that the Chiefs right now are the best team in the NFC. I'm, I'm surprised you didn't fight back more on Harbaugh going for it on fourth and goal. No, I, I have no problem with that. I like the aggressiveness. Like, I I, I love the aggressiveness of Josh McDaniels going uh, with the onside kick yesterday. I love aggressive play. I thought it was smart. I mean, I you know, I thought McDaniels was the uh, gamble was smart. I thought that Harbaugh's I, – I think you – listen. What do you think he was thinking? Harbaugh? Yeah. I was thinking that he was. they were going to score a touchdown. No, no. I mean, I mean the, the philosophy on this, they got four minutes left, they have a chance to kick a field goal, and then you force Josh Allen to go down the field, yeah. get a field goal or well, a touchdown. My, yeah. my impression is we're probably not going to stop Josh Allen from getting to whatever he needs to get to, the 30-yard line, and kick a game-tying field goal. And we're even more worried about – you know, when we see Josh Allen in games like the Chiefs game last year in the playoffs, you know, going clutch time, we're worried about him going down and beating us with a touchdown. You need to score touchdowns. And it's funny how people can't process this. I think if you do that against the Chiefs, I think you have to play hyper-aggressive against the Chiefs because Mahomes is awesome. Josh Allen is not Mahomes, but he's pretty close in terms of the ability to get the ball down the field. I mean, you give him, what, three, so, 345 so, left in the game? You so, don't think Josh Allen is going to score a touchdown? So Harbaugh's looking at his defense. He's thinking, we're not going to be able to stop him. I'm going for the jugular, sort of, by getting a touchdown. Now, here's the question, because this is what I brought up all last year with Staley. It's one thing to follow the numbers and go with what you think is the better percentage, right? I want seven. The, the next part of it is the play call and the execution. Harbaugh put his guys in a position. Now, I don't know if I love the play call. And from an execution standpoint, Lamar Jackson threw an interception. And then Jackson, after the game, is like, eh, you know, it's it's on us. I'm, I'm fine with the decision. It shows he trusts us to score a touchdown in that position. I didn't get it done. It also showed the trust in his defense. He obviously thought that his defense would. I get what you're saying. is Josh Allen. But so if you think that way, basically what you're telling the defense is, look, Josh Allen is going to beat you guys. He's going to come down, and they're going to get whatever they need. They're going to get the, you know. So, no, this is what we got to do. So that's what you're saying. And uh, Marcus Peters getting all froggy and, you know, trying to make a run at Harbaugh. Bruh, your rep around the league is you're a child. You're petulant. Cut it out. That's a bad sign for the team. Now, they're not going to just dump him because he's a really good player, but he is a pain in the ass sometimes. Number three. Number three. All right, you watched the Broncos up close yesterday. Are they good? No. Do they have a chance to win 10 games? No. Nine? No. Really? So sub 500? Mm-hmm. All right. I thought, they would, I thought they would be third or fourth in the division, and nothing has really changed. Um, well, actually, you know what surprises me is, because one, I think Russell Wilson will get better and can, it, can get it done. Their defense is pretty good. Um, Paul Hackett. And the offensive game planning, way short of what I thought it would be. I hate to, I hate to break it to you. Do it. Their defense is crap. 
Really? You don't think it's good? No. Well, well it wasn't good against you, the run what, yesterday. Well, what, what are you basing it on? Uh, that they because Seattle, Houston, and the 49ers, which the 49ers we we just talked to Shereen Williams. It it's it's not that impressive. So they held this. They lost in Seattle, giving up 17. In Denver, they held Houston to nine points, and then they win 11 to 10 against San Francisco. Now they go to Vegas with a viable option or a viable offense, formidable offense, give up 32 points. So the first real opponent that they faced, the first real offense they faced, they gave up 32 points. Not ready to give their defense all that praise. Russell Wilson is the lone consistent talent on that team. Unfortunately for him, and, and, and you know what? I will say this. I, I, I developed a newfound respect in terms of I've, – because I've never been in, the, in a press conference room with Russell. Well, you know how it is, right? The first time you actually see you, – you see them, you listen to the audio. But, but to see him and you see the mannerisms, the facial reactions off of a question immediately, uh, very poised, very mature, and, and, and he's, he's just got a lot of work to do with his team as far as the team leader – but this is a bad football team. Top two stories. Number two. All right, you want to shout out the Raiders O-line? I do. I mean, we talked about it earlier, but I, I have no problem doing it again. I mean, Do it again. I thought they were fantastic. I thought that this, I mean, for once we saw consistency, and he handed it to Josh McDaniels. I, I've, I've continually ripped him because of the whole, you know, last week it was like you laughed at me. And you're like, hey, you're not going to let this O-line thing die. And I said, no, I'm not. Well, but- I mean, you stood up at the press conference, and uh, I, I couldn't see you on camera when I was watching at home. And Adam Hill was saying you were, like, kind of bowed up, like right right off to the side of McDaniels, like, let's go. Well, When no, is this going to work? When I <laughs> – well, you texted me. We you were like, great up. question, great approach. No, when in the press conference room, to, 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 to address that, in the press conference room at the Raiders facility, I we all have our seats that we've sat for three years. Or where we're used to sitting, and I love you know where I'm at. I sit in that back corner. Yeah. I like being back. I heard there. you walked up right up front, and you were like flexing. But I all stop with it. Okay, I did walk up right up front. I didn't flex on When's anybody. When's this whole line gonna work, Josh? <laughs> I always move to the front if I'm gonna ask a question, so that way at least I know. Because I got a battle with 17 review journal people I in know, there. I know. So if everybody gets Call one question, they're you know okay. Let's limit Damn coach to paper? 10 questions. Well, eight of them are going to the locals, and everybody else has got to fend for the last two. So let's 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 let's. You got to fight. Hey, you know right to ask a question. In the words of Derek Carr, I don't like your tone. So were you actually flexing for the rest of the media to say back off? Let me ask more questions. <laughs> no. No. Back Although to the offense. Back to the offensive line. I think Adam Hill would bounce you right back and say you could ask more if they were shorter. But I wouldn't say that. But back to the offensive line. Uh, uh, you know no, what? no, no, don't get sassy. Done the, I'm done for Don't get sassy. No, no. Uh, offensive line was great. Okay. Four, four, of their, four of their five, as I mentioned earlier in the show, played every single, uh, every single snap. The lone weak spot, and I hate to smash on guys because I, obviously I'm not a football player, but Jermaine Illuminor, uh, terrible. Darren Mumford came in. Uh, we saw a little bit of play from uh, Heron. So, for the most part, four guys were exceptional. But as a whole unit, yeah. we saw this rushing game over 200 yards, right? I just tweeted out 
about their about their attempts. All time, when the Raiders rush for 200 or more yards, they're 82 and eight. Now they're not going to rush for 200. And I mean, that's a you know, it's what are you going to get that? What five out of 17 games? But just saying, I wrote about it last week. We talked about it. How many? How are you going to balance this? You can't get away from a running game when it's working, which he did last week. I felt in Tennessee. The, the the offensive line had has has to have like it's given Josh McDaniels also somewhat a com- okay I'm comfortable in running it more with them out there and Derek Carr was playing with poise. Number one, Derek Carr was good with his legs. Here's one uh, 19 yard run. Carr back to pass pressure from behind eyes downfield takes off at the 40 35 30 still on his feet and dives forward to the 22 and a timeout taken. Derek Carr. Saw the pocket collapse, and he got out of there for a pickup of 19 yards, and Josh McDaniels gets the timeout with nine seconds to go. Those runs were massive, and it's something that Carr should have in his game. When he starts to freak out, you know, like when we're up against the clock on this show, when he starts to freak out, he's got to use his legs. He's got to escape the pocket, especially if it opens up up the middle. And we talked about, was it the, the first game of the season, in, in where he was sitting in the pocket against Chargers, and that's why he can't, he wouldn't move. Love the way he scrambled yesterday. Fran Tarkenton to you. Oh, yeah, using the old reference, my Fran Tarkenton. You guys all love that one. It's like it came from out of nowhere. You know, I watched football in the old days or watched a lot of NFL films. I know the guys who would run a little bit. All right, coming up, we're going to talk to one of the Raiders legends, Mervin Fernandez, former Raiders receiver. We'll talk about the rivalry and a wide receiving core that's kind of Learning where the ball is going to go. Huge relief. I don't think anybody was panicking too much, but once you lose a certain amount of games, you know, you make it tougher on yourself for down the road when you, you know, you do have a hiccup where, you know, you kind of want to build up some slack early on. So it's good to put the, you know, behind us a little bit. We still got to go win some games, though. It's the standard is to win games. You know, it's hard to do, but I think we're heading in the right direction now. You're listening to Cofield and Company live at Twin Peaks. Devontae Adams, Raiders win, Raiders win, Raiders win. What was Devontae like? There was only one play where I was like, man, what happened to this? I feel the college vibe. I can just throw it in, throw it up without even thinking. Like, Devontae went one way and the ball just, I mean, it wasn't even. It wasn't, like, and I saw somebody tweet, and I, I don't want to call about because it's one of our boys. But, and he was like, over the back shoulder. I was like, back shoulder? He wasn't even close. Like he, it was like he, like Derek Carr was clearly throwing for another route. That all being said, um, I thought the whole game plan was fantastic, and I thought, you know, Devontae Adams had the most targets, seven more than, uh, believe it or not, Josh Jacobs, and then Matt Collins and Darren Waller each with five. But you look at it, there were five targeted players. Devontae had thirteen, but the mix underneath that was a nice blend as opposed to that first week when it was 17 and then the big drop-off. I thought that, I thought the, the, the balance in the blend on offense was fantastic, and I thought Devontae Adams, you know, he played his role well. Didn't score a touchdown, but nine receptions, 101 yards, with the 20-yard reception is his longest. Um, it, it, he, was, he got the job. I mean, and he said this. He said, you know, I'm going to play my role however it is. If, I, if I'm leading rece- receiver, if I'm a decoy, whatever it may be, Yesterday was a prime example of him playing the lead receiver, a perfect role, but allowing Josh Jacobs to be the star. It was very complimentary. The, the, the receptions we saw from Devontae Adams, Matt Collins, Darren Waller, Darren Waller almost punched one into the end zone. 
uh, was set up by the run, the passing was was complemented nicely because of what Josh Jacobs was doing on the ground. What's the deal now in Renfro? Uh, I was not there today for the press conference, so I don't know, and we won't know until Wednesday when the when the first injury report comes out for Monday Night Football against the Kansas City Chiefs. We're also waiting to see what the schedule is like. It might be pushed back, but um, he's now missed a couple couple of uh, games with with in concussion protocol. So I would imagine that I'm guessing that it's you know he he should be back. But the thing is, is guys that have been in and out of the locker room and that have actually seen him. Um, you know, my assignments are, are a lot different than the daily guys, Adam and, and Vinny and, and whoever else, Paul, whoever's out there. So they have to be in there and they got to be talking. Like I, I have one set assignment each day, boom, boom. And some of the some of the weeks I'm getting my, my quotes for both days. So I haven't seen him. But some of the guys said last week when they saw him that he still looked, you could just tell it, it didn't look good. So, you know, I hope that he's okay and I hope he can get back out there. But I also hope with everything that we've talked about and what we're hearing, that he takes his time and he's out there when he's ready to be out there. Yeah, I mean, there's a difference between different concussion situations, and Andre James apparently was around a bunch. Yeah. Renfro really hadn't been around. And Nate Hobbs. Nate Hobbs, remember, he was in And Hobbs the- bounced back pretty quickly, yeah. too, and then was you know very good. Well, and it's, you know, and, and, and that's why it's, um, you look at the severity of it and, and you think back, you know, and I'm not making. Well, think, back to, think back to what happened and how it happened with Renfro. Everyone thinks he got concussed. On the play, he fumbled. It could have been the previous fumble. Could have been the previous. It could have been a previous play, and he was they already might not have noticed it a couple of yeah, a couple right. of plays before. And then the final play of the game against Arizona, the walk off fumble, where everybody's going, "Oh, get rid of him! Terrible fumble!" Blah, blah, blah. You don't know. Yeah. So I mean, and, you, and you do realize on this concussion stuff. I know people are flipping out about getting guys out of the game. I'm going to use the you know the quote from a lot of different people. There is a warrior mentality, and guys want to play, and sometimes they don't indicate like you can't see yeah, that, that someone that. takes a you know ma- that they're affected by a massive hit to the head. Sometimes you can't even see it because it could be in a pile, yeah. and guys want to play. They don't want to say they're screwed up. Listen, we we see it all the time in games. You know, well, guys, that, guys get couple- guys get rocked, and they want to keep playing and. You know, you don't know that they were seriously, you know, injured until maybe after the game or a couple of plays later. And that was a couple of plays before, so it's very—it's—it's it's not as if he could just—they're—they're they're going to gauge that and do it, do a whole eye test and follow the finger, whatever it is that they do. I don't know what they do, but you know, to to, to gauge where his eyes are at if he's glazed. If he's like, you all right? No, I'm fine. What are you talking about? And then get out there. You know, um, I was talking about this with Gooch on, on Throw the Flag on Saturday. You know, in general, you know, it's just like a back or a spine injury. Lots of, like, when you get in a car accident, a lot of times people, they don't realize that they have whiplash until a week later because our muscles are designed to just sort of protect. So they tense right up. When you get hit in the back of, in a car accident, same thing. You get Your muscles tense up, and it's the next day where you feel it. That's why... When you go weightlifting, you feel it the next day. Your muscles tense up when you're in that when you cause that trauma. Then when it, it relaxes, all the trauma that you did, that's when you feel the pain. So sometimes, as you said, maybe an hour later, maybe a day later. So who knows with Hunter Renfro? Maybe it was that you know, and then all of a sudden he got rocked again, and that's why he fumbled. He just got he got dazed. I don't like hearing from some of the some of my colleagues that he didn't. You know, it, it was scary what he looked like a week later. So I hope that they do right by him. And I think 
so far we've seen the Raiders are one of the teams that are doing it right. Denzel Perriman might be down for a while. Could we don't be. Know. We could don't be. Know. Could be at least a week. You know, could and be. He was all awesome protocol. when he played oh. yesterday. Oh, like off the chain. You were pointing out that he may have been the best player on the field defensively. Yeah. And Hobbs and Crosby played and put up some numbers, and Perriman might have been better. Let me let me let me let me refer, let me replace one word. The best presence on the field. I mean, because Max Crosby was phenomenal. You know, he. I mean, he was he was playing. I mean, as far as defensive player, but the best presence. You could just feel it up in the press box. You could feel it. I mean, everybody was tweeting it. Denzel Perriman's back. You could tell he's back. Boy, they missed him because the energy that he provides and, and it just you know his voice. Let's go. You know, just whatever nice. he's saying in the. I mean, he's fantastic. Chandler Jones yesterday. Chandler Jones, you know, McDaniel's touched on it today. You're not going to see it in the stat sheet, but I think his presence is making a difference. He does, doesn't need to rack up the stats, you know. Um, if he's doing what he's supposed to be doing and driving up uh, or coming around his edge and he's forcing action toward Max I mean, you're running into Max Crosby. You know what I mean? Um, we saw it. We saw maybe his age a little bit against Arizona. When and there was one play where he came on, Max Crosby comes around, and then Russell Wilson just he just or not Russell, excuse me, Kyler Murray just beat him. I mean, he beat him with his legs. But I tend to think that that's going to happen. You're going to put someone like Kyler Murray against a lot of talented defensive, you know, in open field. He's going to beat them. So we're just calling Chandler Jones out to call him out. But the fact is, he's doing a lot of things. He's the hustle stats, if you will, that aren't going to be on a stat sheet. Back to the offense. You threw out a question before the show about Mac Hollins that I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. Is he going to be so valuable as a receiver that they look at it and they're like, you know what, we can't afford to get him hurt on special teams, even though he's a special teams ace. Mm-hmm. Maybe they have to consider you know, cutting down all of special teams. Well, I don't know about all of it, but they, but they definitely you know, they need to decide how, how they're going to use him, um, especially with Hunter Renfro out. And as it is right now, I mean, is he the number two target? Or is Darren Waller still? I mean, is it is it Devontae, now Mac? And and it's not to say that he's better than these guys, it's that he his length, he's long, right? His I mean, you could put him one on one, he can go up. I mean, you saw the touchdown he scored in Tennessee, he just Derek just put it up there and he just reached over and grabbed it. So um yeah, depending on the availability of Hunter Renfro. I think it's something that you have to consider, you know, in, in where and how much you use him. Last week we all did a story on Matt Collins, it seemed like, and McDaniel said, I think that if we told him, hey, you're going to play every single, you know, special teams that you're normally, and then you're going to play every offensive, he'd be, okay, no problem. And we asked him that. And he said, yeah, that's, that's our mentality. That's how I was raised. And he went back and ta- started talking about his childhood and just, you know, him and his brothers. and So – um, but I think that that's something that you have to rein in. Again, going back to this is a guy who's not afraid to mix it up, get in there. Plus, he's going to be on the receiving end. Got to be careful of the head hits. And that uh, special teams is dangerous. I thought yesterday represented the best example of what McDaniels was looking for from an execution standpoint. Mm-hmm. Because McDaniels, you know, without saying, hey, it's not all me, said it repeatedly. You got to adjust to what the defense does, and the number one folks who have to adjust are on the field. It's not all coaching, right? And one, the O line played much better opening holes for Jacobs. Um, that number yesterday he put up 
144 and two touchdowns. I think the last time they went uh, or had a running back go 130 plus and two touchdowns was what Darren McFadden in 2011. Yeah. So you're talking about you know Raiders royalty when he was healthy. Right. And then the other thing is for Derek Carr to rush for five first downs. That tells you a lot about what he's seeing on the field, how he's reacting to it, coaching. Uh, he said afterwards, you know, it was always something we used to emphasize. Gruden would tell me to, you know, run for at least two a game. Yeah. And now with the way that defenses are playing, if they want to double everybody, I've got to take it upon my shoulders and find a lane and go. And I think it was on the 19-yard run because that was to his left that you could see the entire defense is – shading to cars right and he looks up and there's no one no one's going to get near him for 15 yards because everyone's going the other way like if you can run a little bit you got to take advantage of that if they're going to double that many guys the opening's there he was finding his lanes he was finding his lanes just like uh, josh jacobs was and, and it, it was it was very impressive execution um the, you're right and the decision making was Phenomenal. It was the best that we've seen in the first four weeks, and, and that's what's key. Um, the one thing that, and I don't want to play devil's advocate, but I guess I'm going to, is we. Just, I just talked about Denver's defense. Did they make decisions against a defense that was simple? This hour presented by Battleborn Injury Lawyers in both Reno and Las Vegas, 766-1400 is the call from anywhere in Nevada. Number 766-1400. Toughness, physicality, those are two words that come up a lot when you ask players to describe this matchup. George Kittle said there's just an intent, an intensity, and a whole lot of physicality and violence. Kyle Shanahan said for him, hatred would be a little bit too strong of a word, but he said, I promise you, I cheered for the Bengals in the Super Bowl. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live at Twin Peaks. Lisa Salters from Monday Night Football talking about the rivalry, the dislike between the Rams and the Niners. Mm. I'll say out here in the Pacific time zone, we realize how nasty this rivalry is. And you really see it when the Rams are hosting the Niners at SoFi because Niners fans are everywhere. It's actually a very underrated fan base as far as how many fans are outside of San Fran, and they friggin' invade SoFi. Now, tonight is in San Francisco, and what I was getting at is we understand how intense this rivalry is in the Pacific time zone. I don't know if the nation does because they try to put crap up like the Giants and the Cowboys. I love pitching the Cowboys in Washington. It's a great rivalry. Yeah, well, if one organization sucks all the time, yeah. it's not a great rivalry. Now, the weird thing about this one is both organizations have been pretty good, but until the final meeting last time around, the Rams couldn't win this freaking thing. They've, they've lost six of seven recently in the rivalry. I thought it was six straight in the regular season. Oh, six yeah. of seven, including the NFC Championship. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, and um, – I just think that the, the 49ers are up against it to, to make it seven in a row. Um, it's it, they, they definitely have an uphill climb in, in this one. We'll talk about throughout the show is that in, the, in terms of just the offense, the level of competition that this team has faced, the lone loss for the Rams was, is against the preseason Super Bowl favorite Buffalo Bills. 
national TV, by the way. So the Rams are going to there's – there's a lot going into this, and going up there and making a statement win is going to be huge. Missing Trent Williams going to be huge. Um, again, a 1-2 49ers team with losses to the Bears and Broncos, and now it's laying points to the defending Super Bowl champs. From my understanding, the Sharps have been betting the Rams. They've been active in betting the Rams. Um, it got down to one – I know it was – Higher two and a half got down to one and a half. I got plus two just before the show. So, by the way, you know, in years past, when you brought me on as a guest and then you and then you you brought me on as a Uh-oh. company, you'd ask me a question, right? You'd say, "Who do you got?" Say, you know, I don't bet. I write about it, right? You've completely tarnished my entire. Like you are a bad influence. And now you bet. Yeah, I'm back to betting something that I hadn't done in like on a regular basis in 25, 30 years. I mean, the I mean, Super Bowl, that's it. If you tell me you're betting freaking, you know, 5,500 a game, then I'll probably tell you to cut it out. No. But you're not betting that much, I assume. No, 1%. Of it. 55 a game. Okay. There you go. 55 straight across. Just, every Unless I really like this. But pizza, it hasn't just, gotten to that point yet. Just pizza money, as they say. Yeah. It's a lot of pizza, but depending on where you go. But I, but I can't do what you and, and Adam and, and the boys do. Like, I, I, I refuse to download the apps. So I just have a buddy, and so when I got this, because otherwise I'll be on it all the time, and I'll have, I mean, listen, remember way back in the day, Steve, when before anybody knew what in-game was in Pinnacle, that was the first book that did the actual in-game. I would sit at my mother's house for Monday Night Football and visit with her. We'd have Monday Night Football, and I'd have the laptop open. I would literally have, this is no joke, no embellishment, five, six, eight grand in action, but only like two, three hundred at risk. Because I'd be playing the numbers, and I'd have a, a ledger, a hand, like old school, paper, pen. I'd be writing it out. I didn't know you did that. Oh, wait. Before, there was something called in-game wagering, but right. Pinnacle was the only one that did it. There was a late, great, colorful Las Vegas character. Next time we have uh, we, we get our boy John L. Smith come on, we'll talk, ask about Denny Mason. Denny Mason started the whole thing. He, we used to sit at the tap house, and he'd have a brick. Right. You guys, are, you guys are doing I told you. I told you about him? Yeah, yeah. And he would, he'd throw the odds out. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, eight to one, it's a run play. And it would be like third and 14. Eight to one, eight to one. Who's in, who's in? We'd go like 10 bucks. And he'd go, you lose. And he'd just keep stacking the money. And then if you won, he'd pay you right there. It was the best. Should have got royalties for the idea. Denny Mason was the best. Although I'm guessing around the country, he probably wasn't the only one doing it. Oh, yeah, no. sounds like That sounds like a good but, bar tradition. You know what? He was probably the only one at that time doing it in the middle of a stadium. There you go. We're on in Reno. ESPN Vegas as well. It's the Battleborn Sports Hour presented by Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 766-1400. Company's eye on sports betting with John Von Tobel. We're at Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football. Right now, the uh, game is two Niners against the Rams. I got to say, we've had like five servers constantly coming by to ask us what we need. Service today has been absolutely awesome. John Von Tobel is in. John, let's just go right into it. Explain the scenario and analytics and what Harbaugh was thinking because to listen to Boomer and Cower and Sims try to process it was mind-numbing yeah. yesterday. No, look, we've gone over this a thousand times, right? It increased their win probability to the point where it was worth it to go for it and essentially ice the game for them in that scenario. Or at least shouldn't say ice because there was a good amount of time left, about four minutes left. But to put them in a much better position to win that game, than it would have been to kick a field goal with that amount of time left. I mean, like, a lot of people are, are, are talking about this like there was like 10 seconds left in the game. That wasn't really the case. 
Um, so I think when you look at it, again, it's easily explainable. The probability of you winning that game increases exponentially if you go for it, and even more so if you successfully achieve it. Steve, I think you have the right angle where our discussions about these things should not be whether or not they go for it. It right. should be about the play call and the execution. Yep. And, for those, and, and for those, Steve, too, by the way, because there's a lot of people who think, oh, analytics people say they're never wrong. That's not the point here. My point when I hear people, like you said, like Boomer and Phil Sims and Nate Burleson talk about this in the halftime show is they don't have any idea about how it works. So they just sit there and talk uneducated conversations about it. And when you hear Nate Burleson say along, something along the lines of, you know what, if it works, I can look my coach in the eye. But if it doesn't, I'm not going to be able to talk to him man to man when I get to the locker room. Like, what does that even mean? So it's just results-oriented thinking well, at the well, end have, of the day. Have, it is. It's results-based right. things. Sorry to cut you off, but, like, Marcus Peters are getting mad. Stop him! Stop yep. him! Josh Allen, stop him! And Lamar Jackson took blame. Uh, I don't I don't like that play call. I don't like an empty backfield from the two-yard line. I thought that sucked. Lamar is – I mean, I, I just – I think he thought too desperately. Like, bro, if the play ain't there, pin them at the two. Why are you throwing an off-balance throw from 18 yards out? And I, it feels to me like someone screwed up on the play. Why are there two guys near the right sideline? They're on top of each other. Right, and, and that's the tough part about it, too, when we talk about the execution. If you go for it and fail, at least you're pinning them on that two-yard line. To turn it over, then you get a touchback, and then they get to the 25. That just compounded things, which is part of the big problem yeah. in that scenario. Uh, but, like, that's... My, con- my problem has always been when we have this conversation over and over again, if you don't like the approach, that's fine, but you should have well-thought-out and educated discussions about it, not just analytics, because it just doesn't it – is, it is really – it makes me want to gouge my eyes out when I listen to people talk like that because they have no idea what they are speaking on. And at the very least, you should know what you're speaking on if you're going to speak against it. Jonathan Von Tobel with us from Veasan, and of course part of the company. Okay. Jonathan, uh, That's serious there. We went with the Jonathan. <laughs> we almost never do that. Okay. You know what it is? I'm I'm looking at his email, and it says Jonathan Von Tobel. So, JVT, uh, the the books report their first losing Sunday. Now, I get a text every Friday for a blog that I do on where the sharps are going, just from my own knowledge to write something up. And from my records, I see five and three. Sharps uh, moved early action on Vikings, Ravens, Seahawks, Cardinals, Patriots, lost Colts, Bears, Bucks. How much did the books reporting a losing Sunday have to do with the Sharps or overall public also? Yeah, I think when you see the losing Sundays, generally, Willie, it's a lot of public betters just had a really good day. And by the way, you just check Twitter, and you can probably get a good sense of what's happening. <laughs> you know what I mean? If a, if a right. book had a rough Sunday or not, because yeah. you see a lot of bragging, you see a lot of emojis, you see a lot of three and O's and green check marks. And yeah, look, it's the first losing Sunday of the NFL season. They happen from time to time. Uh, I always like when they are reported because it means absolutely nothing in the grand scheme of things. Uh, they are taking bets, as I, I think. I don't know. My sources are telling me that they're still taking bets for Monday Night Football. And these wins and losses, you know, each book is different, right? So when you hear books reported a losing Sunday, every yeah. situation is different. There are some shops that probably eked out a small profit. There are some, and probably a majority of David Payne Purnham tweeted that out, that it reported a small loss. You know, these wins and losses are so small in terms of percentages, right? A good hold, for example, for those who don't know, is like 3, 3.5%, 4%. It's a really good day for a, for a book. So it's at the margins in terms of these losing Sundays, but... There are books that won, but it sounds like a good chunk of them lost. 
But I'm willing to bet that it's few and far between in terms of these winning Sundays for the uh, for public betters and the public overall. I think you're right. I think they're still taking action on Monday Night Football, and betters, don't worry. The books are not closing down. The casinos are still open. Tonight, uh, early action was on the Rams by the Sharps. Went down to one and a half. I believe it hit two and maybe right back down. What's going on with this game? Well, I mean, I, I hope the Sharps are, I guess, are right because uh, I am on the Rams. I took a small bet on them. I've got them in the contest as well. Uh, look, I'm, I'm not... I am not of the mindset that the San Francisco 49ers are now some juggernaut with Jimmy Garoppolo out there. I, I have said this before, I think, to you guys. I'll reiterate it one last time. Jimmy Garoppolo was the 19th-ranked passer by PFF standards last year. He committed the second-most turnover with the plays last year behind only Ben Roethlisberger. He committed 30. Uh, he is not the quarterback that a lot of people think that he is. Yes, the winning record is absolutely fantastic. But he has trouble in terms of keeping the ball uh, with him. He also doesn't really have the arm. If you go back to that Sunday night game against the Broncos, there was an out route that he couldn't throw across the other hash because it died into the you know tied in the grass. He's a solid quarterback, and he can run this offense the way that it needs to be run. But you saw in that game, he regularly puts the ball in harm's way. He commits these weird boneheaded plays where he throws a pick six and commits a safety on the exact same play in his own end zone. That's what Jimmy Garoppolo is. So, really, like, I've kind of been in the mindset. And keep in mind, I'm someone that came into the season with a thought of going against the 49ers. They've got an under on their win total. I thought they were an overvalued team. Uh, but I do think the Rams are the side here. And uh, my money is on the Rams. And it's, they're on my contest card. JVT from VSIN here on ESPN Las Vegas. Uh, looking at some spots next week. Let's go right to the Monday Night Football spot. It's up to seven now. Chiefs are favored before any mention of where you think the line is going to go, do you think people will be bullish on a Daniel Carlson-made field goal prop? <laughs> well, that was this last Sunday. Apparently, uh, some popular blogger with, uh, like, 19, I've heard him reported that he had, like, 1,900 subscribers on his pod or something like that, so he gives out Carlson over one-and-a-half field goals, and uh, his oh. army flocks to Caesars and BetMGM to bet over one-and-a-half field goals, which he hit in the first half, so... Uh, it was it, it was an odd like little blip on the radar with a lot of people betting on Carlson to hit that prop and eventually he did and uh, he did it pretty quickly uh, so I don't know if it's going to follow I mean I guess we'd have to have this guy uh, give it out again right. uh, but look I think see the, the Chiefs are kind of a public team to a certain extent and a big win against a contender in a prime time spot like they did this last Sunday that's only going to make the public more bullish on the Kansas City Chiefs now public money doesn't necessarily move the line. So we'll see where that ultimately ends up. But I am willing to say that this will close seven or seven and a half as opposed to getting underneath that seven. JVT, you're diverse in everything. Well-versed, I should say. Uh, but NBA, your specialty. You ready You ready to go? Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> I just got <laughs> done with the NBA guide. I'm up to, I'm up to my eyeballs in uh, NBA content and information, Willie. Uh, they got to think there's like three preseason games, four preseason games tonight. One's underway right now. Uh, but, yes, I am very much ready to go. we got 15 days until the start of the season. It's right around the corner. Uh, back to the NFL next week. You got anything you're looking at? Anything super intriguing? I'm interested by the Saints 6 against the Seahawks because I think people are uh, going to get Gago over Geno and what the hell is happening with the Saints in terms of their health with Jameis. Yeah, I, so that was actually it's weird. You said that, Steve. That was the one that I was looking at initially to circle. Because, look, Gino's going to be pretty good in certain spots. I actually streamed Gino in fantasy this weekend because against the Detroit Lions defense, he was probably going to be a pretty effective and he had a really good game, especially from a fantasy perspective. And I think that's the way you're going to look at the Seahawks. Against some lesser defensive teams, Gino in this offense is going to look quite a bit better. 
Uh, but against some of the more, you know, the a little firmer up front and better defenses overall, I think they're going to have a lot of trouble. I don't think that offensive line is very good. He has really locked in to Lockett and DK Metcalf, of course, as his primary targets, but he doesn't really share the ball outside of that. This offense, I think, is going to look a lot more one-dimensional once you match up with a team like the New Orleans Saints. Now, the question would be, can the Saints score enough? But Seattle's defense is absolutely future. Really beat up Detroit Lions offense, uh, scored 45 on them. You're going to see a, another, I think, bad effort from that Seahawks defense and an offense that's not going to be able to score. So might be getting a little value. The Seahawks have been, I guess, uh, like perceived as a little bit pluckier. But the reality is you got to pick your spots with that team, and I don't think this weekend's going to be one of them. I will bet the Bills up to 17 if Kenny Pickett starts for the Steelers. <laughs> Wait, so what happened? I, so, like, you're, you're anti-Kenny Pickett, that's correct? That's, that's the thought process? Yes. Okay. Well, I don't know. I mean, look, the Bills have had their issues. Their defense is a little beat up. But I will say, from a matchup perspective, uh, I do think that this kind of benefits them. They're a team that can rush for and pressure at a high rate with just those four, as well as play really solid coverage. And I don't think that's really going to work out for Kenny Pickett behind that offensive line. It's a brutal spot to be in for Pickett to make your first start. I don't think I would lay the number, especially from an in-game perspective, Steve. If the Bills punt on their first drive. You're going to get a better number. Maybe that's the way to go with it. But I'm not going to fault your logic, and I don't think I'm going to be too cute and try to take the points with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Say that much. College football. Lay the wood. Three, Nevada, CSU, Norvell coming home. Yeah, baby, I can't wait. There's a Norvell revenge game, or I guess it's not his revenge. It's Nevada's revenge against Norvell. I actually, I'm really excited. Like, the storylines, to see how this is going to go, everything. How they're going to, like, I cannot wait to see what that's going to be like. Now, I will say, I thought Colorado State was going to be better once we got the conference play. Having said that, everything I've seen from them looks absolutely atrocious, and I don't think that's going to be the case. But I don't know if I want to lay the points with Nevada, but that would be the side I'd rather be on because Norvell so far has not – it's not looked good in his first few games at the Hill. I thought uh, San Jose on Friday night against UNLV would be about three. It's not. Yeah. It's higher. Uh, was it down five, I think, right? I haven't looked for like an hour. Um, I'm seeing six, and there might be a six and a half yeah. out there. So that, so that got bet up then because, I mean, I think if I remember correctly, it, it opened three and it got bet up to five, and then here we're at right now. I mean, look, I think it does make some sense to a certain extent. This is like when it comes to betting on a lot of these things, you got to kind of be able to read the market. So Friday was a good example where UNLV, the market got a little too high on them. And you adjust on a week-to-week basis, and that's why teams can never really go undefeated against the spread. The market adjusts, the numbers are going to get too high or too low, and they're going to cover them. And so UNLV's market rating got a little too high on Friday. And they might still be in that range here against a pretty respectable defensive team in San Jose and a relatively decent offense, too. So I think when you look at it overall, I kind of agree with the market betting it up. I think it's just ship sailed. I think you'd rather lay like two, three, where that was earlier, as opposed to getting in a little bit late now. Because the Rebels, as you know, are a very competent team and a very competent defensive team. John, great spot, man. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you later in the week. In fact, on uh, Tuesday, you'll be with me and Marcus Arroyo on the Marcus Arroyo radio show. So we'll talk to you tomorrow, okay? Yep. Looking forward to it, guys. Thank you. There he is. John Von Tobel from VEASAN. I, I, I'm not even joking. I'm not saying this. I, I can't wait to read his NBA guide. Oh, he's awesome. Yeah, he's He puts so much work into yeah, it, yeah. and he's such a – His daily reports are tremendous. Yeah. He's, he really puts the work in. He, he does. Uh, we close it out here at Twin Peaks. Come on down. Monday Night Football is on the way. You know, I get freaked out, even though it was only two voices I heard. I get freaked out when uh, people are on the same side. So if you guys are on the Rams, I'm sorry. I'm going to go with the Niners.
Okay. I'm not rooting against you. I mean, I'm only going to bet some pizza money. I get it. Let's not freak out. I get it. Don't get mad at me. I, he almost left the show earlier. Does that get a set a record? You're on the verge of walking out. I but, was. Uh, but the ladies are here. Ladies well, I, I wasn't going to walk out. I was just going to walk out on you. Yeah, I was going to hang take, out with Lauren. Take a break for Hadley, a little while. <laughs> or Maddie. I got the ladies. Every day, 4 to 5, we're on uh, ESPN in Reno. It's the Battleborn Sports Hour. You can listen to the entire show, the archives at lvsportsnetwork.com.